0: Thank you for supporting the Ministry of Victory Outreach International. We pray this message challenges, ignites faith, and that God would fan the flame that will produce a harvest of souls throughout the world. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 14 of the book of Acts. And I'm going to ask you to give me your undivided attention. We don't mind traveling preachers around here, but we don't like traveling congregations. And you better keep the babies quiet. And you better Let's be still for the next half hour. I want you to be still and so that no one be distracted from hearing the word of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord Jesus, this morning we thank you. For the beautiful spirit of your, your presence that we're able to feel in this place this morning. And Lord, I just pray that your word will have a tremendous effect upon the hearts of your people. Lord, as I expound your word, let your anointing move. and Let your anointing be felt in the hearts of everyone. And we'll be careful to give you all the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Now, in chapter 14, the last time that we were together, we started out in chapter 14 and we covered just a number of scriptures and also a number of the points that we find here in chapter 14. The title of the message in chapter 14, the title is Qualities of an Effective Ministry. Now, when I mention ministry, I don't want you to have a a block blockage within your mind and say, well, I'm not a minister. How many know that we are all to minister? Now you may not be a a pastor, you may not be an evangelist, you may not be a teacher, but you are to minister. Freely as you have received, also freely you are to give. And God has a, a special place for us in the body of Christ And we're all to minister. We're all to be used of God. God wants to use each and every one of us. And there are some qualities that we find here in chapter 14. That if we could develop these qualities. And let the Holy Spirit develop these qualities in our lives. It will make us successful. Successful in the sense that it will make us fruitful. In everything that we do for God. Now there are people that are fruitful. And there are people that are unfruitful. But here we have the example of two men that were very fruitful and two men that God was able to use in a very powerful way. And these two men that are recorded here in the Word of God in chapter 14, these two men are Paul and Barnabas. You remember the last time that we were together? We spoke about how they sent out Paul and Barnabas. In fact, in in chapter 13, we see how the church of Antioch The Holy Spirit said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work in which I have called them. Jesus said, I want you to separate these men. And they separated them, and then they launched them out. And they went out, they were launched out on their first missionary journey. Now we're still on the first missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas. And there's going to be a number of other missionary journeys that they take, and other experiences that we have recorded in the book of Acts. But this is their very first missionary journey. And then the church prayed for them and launched them out. And then they went from city to city. And here we have them on their missionary journey. And they have, they're moving from, uh, they're actually from Iconium. And, and, they're, and they're moving on into other cities as well. And in chapter 14, We notice a number of qualities that they had. And I want to, there's a number of them that we mentioned the last time. So we'll move briefly on some of them. And then we'll continue. And we're going to finish this chapter this morning. In verse 1, we find the first quality that these men had. It says, and it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews And so spoke and a great multitude, both of Jews and also of Greeks, believed. Now, the first quality that we find within their ministry was that they were ministering according to their giftedness. You see, if we are going to be effective, then we need to minister in that realm where God has gifted us. We don't move out of that if we're going to be effective whatever anointing god has placed upon our lives we need to move according to the anointing that he has anointed us with and this is what we find Barnabas and Paul doing that they paul was a tremendous preacher and when paul spoke and he preached there were results see whenever we move in the anointing that god has given and placed upon our lives then there are results our ministry becomes fruitful But whenever we we move out of the anointing and out of the giftedness that God has gifted us with, then we don't see the results that we desire to see. But here in verse 1, we find that he spoke. And it says a great multitude, both of Jews, not only a few people, but it tells us a great multitude, both of Jews and also of Greeks believed. And everywhere that... Paul went, he would first go into the synagogue. And the reason why was because it was uh, more, it would be what you would call speedy, fast evangelism. Paul's background was he was part of the, he was a Pharisee. And because of his credentials as a Pharisee, and because his background as a Jew, he would go into the Jewish synagogue. He was very familiar with the Jewish synagogues. And then they would notice, they would know that who he was and know of his background, and they would invite him to speak. So he had an audience. Instead of just going in and not having an audience in that city, he would go into the synagogue, and he had a ready-made audience. And then they gave him the opportunity to minister, and he would minister and preach the Word of God. And every time he ministered, because he was ministering in his giftedness, there were results, and people got saved. So the first thing that we have to understand is that if you are going to be effective in the kingdom of God, if you want to be fruitful, then you need to move according to that gift that God has gifted you with. Don't move out of your giftedness. And the problem that we have sometimes is that we want to be something that God has not ordained for us to be. there's a whole lot of frustration many times because we want to be something, because we aspire to be something that we really are not equipped for and don't have the giftedness for. And eventually, instead of being fruitful, you will be unfruitful, your ministry will be unfruitful, and there's a whole lot of frustration. And I've mentioned this before, how sometimes people want to preach and they want to be a preacher and they're not called to preach, and if they are not called to preach, they don't have any business preaching. Some people want to be a teacher. They're not called to teach, and they, they determine that they want to teach because they have an aspiration that they want to teach. And if they don't have the giftedness to teach, then they shouldn't be teaching. You see? So we need to move. Hear me now. We need to move in our area of the anointing. I was just talking to Paul Crouch. In fact, we were together just uh, Friday night. In fact, Friday. Friday, we, we were together. And all I hear him talk, and all he talks about is TV stations, TV stations, TV stations. So he's telling me about, I put this TV station over there, and I'm putting another one over here, and I'm going with this one over there, and I got the one over there, and I got the one over there. Then after he finishes, I say, well, I'm putting a a satellite church over here, and I'm putting another church over here, and I'm putting a rehab home over there, and I'm putting a... And he looked at me, and he says, hey, man, our ministry is somewhat alike, isn't it? And I said, it sure is. You're putting the TV stations and we're putting, we're putting in churches and we're putting in rehabs and we're putting in bases of operation, not only over the, around the nation, but also over the world. Now, I can't get into his area. He's anointed in that particular area of ministry. Now, if he tries to get into my area of ministry, then he's going to have problems. See what I'm talking about? I can't get into his area and he can't get into my area and if he wants to get into my area then he begins to have problems i try to get real full guns into that area and god hasn't called me to be in that area of ministry and he hasn't anointed me and gifted me in that particular area then i will have problems we need to minister according to the anointing just like that song that god has anointed us with according to the giftedness and this is what we find paul and barnabas doing that's the first quality that they had They ministered according to the giftedness that they had, the gifts that God has bestowed upon them. Now, they had a number of gifts. Not only did they preach, they also were teachers. They also had even the gift of administration because they even had to organize the churches. And I'm not giving you the whole list of gifts that they had, but they were functioning in all of the gifts that they had received from God to be able to accomplish their tasks. You see? So, the first thing is, We need to minister. Whatever you're going to do for God, we need to get involved in that giftedness and that anointing that God has placed upon our lives. Don't take it, that talent, and bury it. But take it and use it for the glory of God. Begin to develop it. So discover what area God has gifted you with and begin to use it for the glory of God. Secondly, we also find that Not only did they move according to their giftedness, but also another quality that they had, they also had boldness. They were not easily intimidated. See? Comes a time where God wants to separate the men from the boys. You know what I'm talking about? He wants you to have that boldness in the spirit that only God is able to give you. Notice what it says over here in verse 3. Because it says in verse 2, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up Gentiles, always, even though there were results and positive results. But look in verse 2, all of a sudden. But the unbelieving Jews, see the Jews were, there was a group of Jews that were jealous. And they stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil and affected against the brethren. And then it says, a long time therefore about they speaking what? Say it with me, speaking what? say it louder in who speaking boldly in the lord in other words it wasn't their boldness but it was the lord that gave them that boldness see so we need to have the boldness of the spirit upon our lives if we're going to do anything for god we cannot afford to be intimidated the enemy is going to try to intimidate you. Now maybe you've had some bad experiences in the past or uh, maybe you have failed before or whatever your experience was before. Listen, don't dwell upon that. God wants to take you forward and God wants to move you on to greater things in the spirit. And over here, these men were bold. And, And you know, that's what it actually takes. Whenever you're in a situation where you need that boldness, God is able to give you that boldness whenever you need it. See, in preaching, you need to have that boldness. Especially if you're going to be a missionary and you're going to go to these different places. There's always going to be, in every country you go, in every city you go, there's always going to be the devil waiting for you. To try to discourage you, to try to intimidate you. I told you the story, and I'm not going to labor it, but I told you the story about Raul when he went to Amsterdam, right? This big preacher. Big preacher, well-known preacher. What did he do to him? Got a hold of him and said to him, Listen, young man, and when I this finger, listen, young man, he's big, Raul is small. Listen, young man, I have some advice for you. We don't need more preachers around here. We have enough preachers. We're taking care of business around here. And the advice I have for you is to take your lovely wife, your lovely young lady, and just go back home where you belong. And then Raul tells me, I says, well, what did you do? What would you say? And then Raul said, all of a sudden. Hmm? that boldness came upon me and I took my finger and he was big and he says I told him well I'll have you know that uh, I am here because not my decision but it was God that called me here and here is where we're going to stay now that naturally is not Raul. He's a quiet guy. He's a loving guy. But something happened to him. It was the boldness, the Spirit of God that in that moment, instead of being intimidated, the Spirit of God came upon him with the boldness of the Spirit and he was able to respond in the boldness of the Spirit. Just like when you're out there in a situation ministering and somebody comes at your face and somebody comes and starts heckling and somebody comes and starts screaming at you or whatever you do you're going to face opposition and if we're going to be effective we need the boldness that only the spirit of the Lord is able to give us the boldness not of man but the boldness of the Lord. And this is what they had. They had the boldness it says boldness in verse 3 in the Lord, which gave testimony, see? And then number three, not only did they have boldness, but also they had divine power. And it says in verse three, they had the boldness speaking boldly, follow with me by verse three, speaking boldly in the Lord, right? Which gave testimony unto the word of his grace, and what? and granted, what? Say it, and grant what? Say it louder. To be done by their hands. So not only did he have the boldness, but also there was divine power because there was a, a crippled man that was actually healed. In verse 8 it talks about, it. and there was a certain man, Lystra, and it says uh, that he was crippled, and, and, and all of a sudden he, he, was, he, he, he was totally healed. He had never walked before. So they had the power, not only the boldness, but they also had divine power to do the impossible and to bring forth healing. They were moving in the power of God, and because of that, God was able to honor the word with signs and wonders and miracles that actually took place. And you know something, God doesn't want us to live in the If you're living in the natural, then that's not where God wants you to live. God does as never intended for the Christian to live in the realm of the natural. It should be that every morning when you get up That's why it was so good that Catherine Coleman, she used to have that slogan. What was it again? Expect what? Expect a miracle. In the morning when you get up, you should be able to say, today I'm expecting a miracle. See, That miracle should not be something foreign to you but that you should be experiencing miracles taking place within your life because God has not called us to live an ordinary life or just a, a natural life, but God has called us to live the uh, super-ordinary life, you see. We're not to live a life that, uh, that's ordinary, but a, a, a super-ordinary. In other words, we're, we're to live a life that only could be explained in terms of God. That's the type of life that God wants us to live. And that's the life that they lived. If even in coming to church on Sunday morning, do you come to church and say, I-, I, need, I need to be met and I need to hear word from God? I'm expecting a miracle. When we come to church, we need to come expecting that the, the lame are going are to be healed and, and the unsaved are going to be saved and, and those that need deliverance are going to be delivered and that God is alive and well today and God is real and God is faithful to his promises and faithful to his word. And when you have that mentality, you don't fall asleep in church. Because if you fall asleep, you may miss something able to come expecting a miracle they had divine power they were able to see signs and wonders that actually followed their ministry and God gave them credibility and also confirmed their ministry through signs and wonders and then also number four if God is going to use us that way what do we need number four they also had humility They were humble now there's always that tendency to get proud you know that that happens to all of us there's always that tendency especially when god begins to use you you can tell somebody get proud they get real 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 arrogant you know real arrogant and proud and they walk out with their heads up like that watch out whenever you get proud you're headed for a fall you're headed for a fall i mean if anybody knows how to humble people God knows how to humble people. We can't get proud. There's no room to get proud when we recognize that everything that we have, we have received from the hand of God. Everything we have, we have received from the hand of God. When we recognize that, there's no room to be proud. There's no room for that, but there's a sincere humility. And this is what they had. You see, so great was their ministry, it was so powerful, that the people were so astonished at the miracle that took place, that they wanted to place them as gods. You see, he was dealing with, uh, with uh, uh, people that were involved in idolatry. A- and because of the tremendous miracle, they wanted to place them as, they wanted to recognize Paul and Barnabas as a deity and begin to worship them as a deity. And we see this in verse 11 to 15. Listen to what it says. It says, uh, right after the miracle, it talks about the miracle in verse 9. In the same heard Paul speak, who sat for be beholding, perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up right on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. The miracle took place, right? And then in that verse 11, it says, And when the people saw what Paul had done, what did they do? They lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Laconia, The gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. Now you tell me, uh, you know, it it could be somebody proud and with an ego say, well, I'm somewhat like a god, you know. I'm a little god, (laughs) see. Hmm? Or the little god in me, you know. Don't, Don't give me all the worship, but give me some of it. Don't give me all the praise, but give me some of it. But what did they do? And they called Barnabas, Jupiter, and Paul, Mercurius, because he was the chief speaker. And then the priests of Jupiter, which was before before their city, brought oxen and garlands. Now, oxen, you know what it is. Garlands are those things that you put around the neck. Broke oxen and garlands unto the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people. They were ready to sacrifice and bring sacrifice and, and sacri- do sacrifices before Paul and Barnabas, treating them as a deity and treating them as God. But what happened? Which when, in verse 14, when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of this, they rent their clothes. Now, that word, rent their clothes, means that they were really disturbed. When they heard that, I mean, they felt, they were so disturbed, I could imagine them thinking and saying, imagine they're putting us in the category of God. You know, what what blasphemy. And they rent their clothes and ran in among the people crying out and saying, in verse 15, sirs, why do ye these things? Now, notice how humble they were. We also are men of like passion with you, and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are within therein. So what did they do? They actually said, listen, we are men just like you, and of like passions just like you the way you get tempted we get tempted you have weaknesses we have weaknesses but the only difference is is that we have experienced the grace of god and all glory should not be given to man but all glory should be given to god all glory and majesty and and honor should be given to God. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth and has dominion over all things, should be given to God. See, he gave the glory to God. Now I'll tell you, the Bible speaks about, you know, he raises who he wants to raise, right? He picks up who he wants to pick up and he knocks down who he wants to knock down. I'll give you an example of this, uh, 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 you know, an example, timely example, Mandela, he was in jail. Who would ever think that this would happen like this? He was in jail all those years. And you don't think God's behind that? <laughs> she sure is somehow. All of a sudden they let him out of jail, let him out of prison. And look at him now. I mean, he, he was just not too long ago. He was in prison, a prisoner. I mean, he was put away for many years. And all of a sudden now, he's the spokesman all over and everywhere he goes, there are multitudes of people that come and want to hear what he has to say. I I don't know if you saw him at Ted Koppel, the Ted Koppel program that they had, the news program. Uh, He was there and they were interviewing him. And I noticed who was behind him. Jesse Jackson was over there sitting in the background. And as Mandela was speaking, they were asking Mandela questions. I could just, I said to myself... Oh, Jesse is ready to explode he wants to say something please give me part of that lamplight over here I got something to say you know but it wasn't Jesse who was on the lamplight it was Mandela who was the one that was in the lamplight see and and, and the very same way God raises who he wants to raise and he, he brings down who he wants to bring out but, but God always raises the humble. God always honors the humble. And what does he do with the pride, the proud ones? Brings down the proud, see? He hates people that are proud. He hates uh, that arrogant spirit because it's not like God. God gives grace to the humble. And to those that are of a humble spirit and meek spirit, Those are the people that are close to the heart of God, and those are the people that he raises up. And you know, and and if we really are looking at things through the eyes of God, anything that we have, we're nothing. I mean, everything that you have, everything that I have, it's all because of the grace of God. What we deserve is everlasting punishment, each and every one of us. Because of the grace of God, you are who you are. Because of the grace of God, we're able to come over here. We're able to put on a nice suit. We're able to pull up a nice clothes and come over here and be part of the body of Christ and be part of the, uh, of the people of God and be able to worship and glorify his holy name. It's all the grace of God. We don't have anything to be proud about. All glory, all dominion, all honor goes to God. This is what they had they were humble. They were humble. And because they were humble, God was able to use them. As soon as they wanted to give them glory, don't you give us any glory? All glory and all honor belongs to God. See, they could have taken advantage of those people, but they didn't do that. They gave all the honor and the glory to God. Did even the people later on even turn on them? They always turn. See, these people were always turning. They turn on them again. See, and then it's uh, then also number five, another quality that they had, they we persistent. Now, if you're going to do anything for God, if you're going to be a Christian that's going to be an overcoming Christian, then you need to be persistent. Look in verse 19. It says in verse 19, And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded what? The people to what? the people and having what? He had room to say, well, where's my God, you know? Or, be, or the devil, you think the devil wasn't working on him and trying to bring doubt? They stoned him because he was preaching the gospel, doing the work of God, and they even thought he was dead, and they dragged him out of the city, and then they laid him there, and they left him for dead. They thought he was dead. Now, in some commentators, some commentaries, if you study this, it actually tells you Some commentators think that he actually died, but that Jesus brought him to to life again, God brought him to life again. Uh, I do not lean that way. It could be that he could have passed out. They thought he was dead and put him outside of the city. But I'll tell you one thing, there's still a miracle that took place because it tells us that then the disciples came around him, and you know what they did? He got up, and he went right back again to the same city. (laughs) The dude is crazy. You talk about commitment. You talk about dedication. They just about left him there to die. They thought he was dead. And then the disciples come around him. They raise him. He gets up. And then he goes right back. And even getting up, he must have got such a beating. Because even getting up, it tells us that he went back to the city. He spent the night there, right? It tells us that. Listen to what it says. Over here, it tells us, it tells us over here that he went back to the city in verse uh, uh, 22, in verse, no, verse uh, 19. And then in verse 20, how be it, as the disciples stood around him, he rose up, right? He rose up, came into the city, and what happened? The next day, what did he do? He departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city, he didn't even have to stay and recuperate He went back to the city, spent the night at the city. The next day, he says, okay, I must go on. The work of God must go on. And he got up, and he went to another city, Derby, and there he began to preach. You talk about persistence. This is why God was able to bless him. See, he was a man that no matter what came their way, they were persistent that they are going to accomplish the word of God. Nothing is going to divert him from the purposes of God. I know, he says, in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him. Let the devils come and the opposition come. He that is within me is greater than he who is in the world. See, persistent, persistent, persistent. And we need to have that. Uh, ministry is not easy. Whenever you get involved, whenever you do anything for God, then you're coming against the wiles of the devil. There are two kingdoms, the kingdom of, of darkness and the kingdom of light. And, and as long as you, you, you stay just doing nothing, then you're not a threat to the enemy. But as soon as you say, I want to I commit my life to God, I want to work for God. I want to be used of God, then you could rest assured that the enemy is going to come upon you and come at you with everything that he can. But what are we going to do? Are we going to be quitters? No, we need to be persistent and say, I know in whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that no matter what comes my way, I'm still going to press forward. Persistent means he's pressing forward. I'm going to go forward. I'm going to go forward. Nothing's going to distract me. Nothing's going to divert me. Nothing's going to set me back. I'm on my course and I want to continue on my course because I know in whom I believe and I know he has called me and I'm going to be faithful to the call of God upon my life see that's where that's where you separate somebody that's persistent you could separate the persistent people from the quitters people that are not persistent are the quitters the ones that are always giving up the ones that are always diverted but Paul wasn't a quitter he was very persistent They stoned me, that's fine, but they haven't killed me. They haven't killed me. And even if they do kill me, my Jesus is able to raise me up again anyhow. See? So he was determined, there was a determination that he was going to do the will of God. So imagine stoning him, and then he gets up, and he goes to to Derby, he goes to the next city, and there he is preaching the word of God. And then there's two more things, and we're going to conclude. Number six, not only was he persistent, but also he was very thorough in everything he did. I want you to notice what happened after that. In verse 21, let's read 21. It says, and when they had preached the gospel to the city and had taught many, what did they do again? It says they what? They what? They returned again to where? Lystra to Iconium and where? Antioch. Now, those cities are the cities where he got thrown out of. Those are the, that's where he came from. That's, he, he first went to, to Antioch, Presidia, Antioch. And then from there, he also went on to Lystra. He went into an Iconium and from those cities, He he was thrown out of every city he was thrown out of. He was also stoned. He was persecuted. And here he finishes his missionary journey. And instead of saying, well, I'm going to go home. It's time to go home. He says, no, no, we're not going to go home yet. He says, I want to go back. Let's go back. Let's make our rounds again. And let's go follow up on all those people that came to Christ. Let's follow up on those converts that gave their lives to Christ, and let's follow up and see how they're doing, and let's go back and see and be a, an encouragement to them. So you find that Paul and Barnabas were very complete in everything that they did. They also followed up on the work that, they, that had been done. They just didn't keep on going on their way, but they went back to to reinforce and to encourage the converts that actually got saved. And I tell you, that takes courage. They could have went another way and gone back home, but instead they said, even though there's danger, we want to be thorough. We want to be thorough in everything that we do. And I think they need a little little bit of follow-up and we're going to go ahead and follow up on all those converts that got saved. Now, it is very important that if we're going to be effective, then we need to understand that we need to be thorough in everything that we do. We need to be complete. This is why we have that over here. We, we do that in our church. We have follow-up. We spent time yesterday with all the newcomers because we don't want them just to come in and, and get saved and then backslide. We want to help them to go on. We have all the programs available so that we can help you grow in the grace of God he was going back and listen to what he did when he went back and it says over there that he went back to Lystra, Iconium in verse 21 and then in Antioch and then in verse 22 it says what did he do confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much temptation enter the kingdom of God what did he go back for to encourage them by that time already he knew that they were out of their first love when you first get saved you're in your first love you're in your honeymoon with the Lord everything is going fine but after a period of time you are going to be hit and there are some of you probably that are being hit this morning you're being hit by the enemy and Paul goes back and he's encouraging them confirming them again and giving them the word of God and telling them, telling them, you're going to go through much uh, tribulation to make it into the kingdom of God. To get into the kingdom of God, you must go through suffering. It is part of your Christian experience. You make it into the kingdom of God through much tribulation, through much suffering, but he said it is worth it. God is able to keep you. In other words, it, it let them know it was part of their Christian experience. Now, it would be wrong, and some people do that. We always emphasize sometimes to a new convert or somebody who's going to get saved, oh, the joy and the happiness, and there's goosebumps, and it's so beautiful. Oh, it's so beautiful, so beautiful, so beautiful. Well, it's true that it's beautiful, it's beautiful, and you you may get those goosebumps and you feel good and it's a good feeling, but I want you to know that the devil's gonna come against you. You will, not maybe, the Bible says, you will have tribulation. Jesus said, but be of good cheer. He said, I have overcome the world. See, he preached, Paul preached reality. He said that through much tribulation they will enter the kingdom of God. If you are going to enter the kingdom of God, you will have to go through tribulation. Even the Bible speaks about, think it not strange when you go through uh, various trials and tribulation, like it's something strange. It is not strange. It is part of our Christian experience. But he is able to keep us from falling, and he is able to keep us. That's the assurance. That's the promise that we have. So when you're going through it, he even said, there's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is what? But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted, above that ye are able, and with temptation make a way of escape, so that ye may be able to bear it. That means that whatever you're going through this morning, whatever temptation, whatever tribulation, is because God says you're able to handle it. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. And whatever you're going through, you're able to handle it because he's not going to permit for you to go through anything that you are not able to handle. You're able to handle it when you put your faith and you put your confidence and you put your trust in the living God. So they went back to be able to confirm them again. And then it says over here, listen to what it says, in verse 23, and when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Now you know, that's the only thing we could do. We could only commend people to the Lord. After you do everything, what else could you do? What he did, he went back and he ordained elders. So he organized the churches he went back and he says I need to organize the churches and he ordained elders in every in every city in every church and then he, after he did everything that he could do he says well Lord they're yours and he commend them to the Lord and then he went on his way and you know that's the only thing we could do in other words I can't bring you with me into the kingdom of heaven you can't bring your son you can't bring your daughter you can't bring your friend you can't bring your husband you can't bring your wife The only thing you could do is be a blessing and give them the word of God. You can't even get people saved yourself. You can't save anybody. You know, when it's something that is divine, you can't do it. It has to be God that's going to do it. But the only thing you could do is what Paul did. After he did all that he could do, then he took them and he commended them to the Lord. He said, Lord, I did everything I could do, I gave him the word. I, 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 I went back and I followed up on them and, and I went back and I gave him some more of the word and I told him the reality of what the Christian life is all about and he says and now Lord here I place them in your hands and you are the one that is able to keep them and then he went on his way. And that's the only thing we could do here. That's the only thing I could do this morning. This morning I could just give you the word of God and then when you go out, who takes over? God is still with you all the time, but after giving you the word of God, that when you go out, you're never alone because He is with you. And He is the one that is able to keep you from falling. So that He commended them uh, to the Lord. And then finally, and we finish with this, it says over here in verse 26. And then it says, and then and then it says over here, let's look at let's look at verse 24 again. It says, And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia and then sailed to Antioch, from which they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfill. Now, you know how beautiful? They came back home to the mother church. After they did everything, they came back home to the mother church. But I like that word at the end. It says says over here, for the work which what? Read it with me. For the work what? which they what? You notice? They did their job. Now they were gone over a year, possibly a year and a half, maybe two years. And they had a task. They went on a missionary journey, but they completed what they set out to do. They were not quitters. They had a task and they completed their task. And they came back with a report saying, We fulfilled everything that we set out to do. We have completed. The task is finished. You find that throughout Paul's life. That's what you find. He says, he talks about running a race. And he says, I want to make it to that finished goal. He says, I don't want to drop out. Uh, There are many that drop out of the race, but I want to make it to that finished goal. And over here, you see the attitude that he had. He was able to complete and fulfill that for which God had called him. He did his job. He did his job. And then it says in verse 27, and they, when they were come, had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them, and now he opened the doors of faith unto the Gentiles, and there they abode a long time with the disciples, and they had a party. It was spiritually party time. But you notice the connection that they had with the mother church? You know, they were not independent, God has never called you to be independent. There are some people in the church sometimes that start ministering in an independent way. And they don't like to come under authority. They don't like to come under the chain of command. That's not biblical. Here, even though they were greatly used of God, they still came back to the mother church and reported everything that God had done, and then everybody was able to get together, and they had a beautiful, rejoicing time in the Lord for the great and mighty things that God had done. See, So, Not only did they follow up, but they returned home to the mother church with a praise report and they all gave God the glory. These are the qualities that we need to have if we're going to be effective in anything we do for God. These qualities that are recorded here in chapter 14 of the book of Acts. What are the qualities? I'll tell you again. Number one, you need to move in your area of giftedness. Number two, You need to have that boldness. Number three, you need divine power. Number four, you need to be humble. Number five, they were persistent. Number six, you need to be thorough. And number seven, you need to give God all the praise and all the glory. We pray that this message has encouraged you to grow in your walk with God. To hear more messages, visit www.visionintlstore.com.